everybody, and welcome to Game of Your Life. This week we got Phil Ellis live in studio. Phil, how are you doing? Good. Good, thank you. It's been very good. To <laughs> just, I keep looking at the... Uh, that's so simple of me. Just to, I can just see the... Um, I don't even know what you call them. The baby fan? Yeah, no, my, the levels, my voice levels on your computer going up and down, it's, and I'm looking at that now as if... You know, like you do on a Zoom, you just look at yourself. Do you ever do that? I've, I've never done a Zoom one, because if you can yeah. see, I'm on a 2009 or 2010 MacBook. It's so Zoom just doesn't operate it's on the same. No, no. Like, Audacity is the most this computer can take. I did that. <laughs> yeah, I've got such shit. I always get really cheap ones. Mm -hmm. I got a new cheap one. I thought, well, even on a new cheap one, the camera's going to be fine, isn't it? Right, probably. Uh, Trying to do a zoom, and it like I was in a scanner darkly. It was just dreadful. It was like the quality was just without any of the coolness of scanner darkly. No, it just looked like I, I just didn't have any money. <laughs> it was like a power meeting with it. So, yeah, yeah, I really think we should start pushing my, me as a product. <laughs> it's weird. I saw that movie at the end of an acid trip once. My buddy was like, when everyone's coming down, he's like, Have you guys seen this? We'll throw it on. Yeah, yeah. But because we just finished tripping, I was like, is that just what they're going for? Or am I like... Yeah, I mean, it's like being on a trip anyway, isn't it? So Sort of. You don't know if you're finished or not. <laughs> I'm still traveling. <laughs> no kidding. Well, yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm glad you came to do this. It's weird. It's pleasure. Usually I don't have a guest with like an IMDB page that they didn't create themselves. So I was oh, sort of... Yeah, that's <laughs> so funny, isn't it? So, I, mean, I think years ago, people used to pay for their own blue tick. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Fucking grim, isn't it? Well, now people, now people, you can see it's like, well, they've got the blue tick, but not the, or the viewers don't match the followers, so they're also paying for the followers. It's like a whole other side game. Oh, it's pathetic. It's like the arrogance as well. When someone changes the name on Facebook, yeah, <laughs> you go really what because of that Radio Four five minute clip you did, you think now it's time to for your anonymity. It's, <laughs> it's, like no it's launching you. Yeah, no one's bothered about your Tenerife photos, two thousand and twelve, pal. <laughs> That's what I, I sort of I sort of see the uh, very beginnings of that, like because I, I run the open mic. The you'll see comics doing that, where it's mm. like, this guy told me it was his third set ever yesterday, and then I'm now being followed by like so and so comedy, and I'm really? like, oh wow, this guy's like, yeah, got yeah. the social media down already. I wonder if how well, the yeah. traction's going. Years ago, but like before, but when I started, it wasn't all Twitter. Anything wasn't quite as big or <laughs> in existence. And uh, and it was the the thing that everyone did then, and I was guilty of it. I'll be honest. I'm still working part or you know, full time in a bank, and uh, and my profile picture. As soon as I did like the Gong Show at the Comedy Store, my picture was the the yeah. Comedy Store logo behind me, holding <laughs> a mic. Everyone going, "Oh, Phil's done comedian now." I was like. No, it lasted about 12 seconds and got conged off, but... <laughs> I have yeah. done stand-up comedy. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, there was one in Vancouver where, like, everyone did their first... It was, like, the open mic, and it, yeah. and it had this, like, very distinctive background. So everyone's profile pictures, like, literally for years, was the same background. Yeah, ours was a comedy store. Because uh, the Frog and Bucket was open, but I don't know if they used to have the logo behind them. Mm. I think it used to just be a black stage. It wasn't quite the comedy store that everyone said, because it says comedy on it for a start. Right, yeah. So the people outside, you always forget outside of comedy, no one gives a crap about comedy. <laughs> you know, we'll go back from Edinburgh going, oh, I've won the, uh, and they're going, do you do it full time? I'm like, I've just won the Edinburgh Awards. And they go, what's Edinburgh? And you go, well, surely you know what Edinburgh is. <laughs> what do you mean, what happened? It, no one cares. It's, it's such a does. smart move of the club, though, to put the logo. Like, because you're basically like, well, I know how narcissistic comics are, so yeah, yeah. if we put our logo in the shot, it'll be posted constantly. Exactly, yeah. It's, it, fun, it's funny, though, being from Canada, because uh, I I knew of the Manchester Comedy Store from the Jim Jeffries video. Oh, that went super viral. Yeah. yeah, and it wasn't until I moved over here, and so I was like, wait, is this the same stage that yeah. was from that incident or whatever? It's funny, I was chatting about that yesterday, and I found it so funny at the time. Whenever I was like, God, and, and it was usually like battered older comics would go, because uh, I was, when that happened, I was probably still an open spot, I think I was quite very new, like, right. and uh, everyone's like, oh, Jim Jeffries, you know, he's just, he's big in America now, just because he got punched on stage, and I was like, well, it wasn't just because he got punched, that got people aware of him, made people aware of him, but if he'd have gone over and had three minutes, <laughs> you know, yeah. all about how wacky his dad is, <laughs> he'd have gone... Yeah, he wouldn't last very long. So he did also, he was also a good comic. Mm. He followed it up, it wasn't like, just got punched, he goes, that's what he did every gig. But it's one of those silver lining things, I guess, because like, everyone always says comedy is about doing it all the time, but it is those lucky moments of like, 
oh, he happened to get punched on stage in a venue that has, like, a good camera. For, yeah. Like, if that happened at an open mic or whatever, that would have just been a thing that happened. Yeah. And then he might not have been able to capitalize. Well, the store was probably one of the first ones to have a mic, a, a, a camera on the stage. Because I used to do the new stuff on a Sunday and just get the footage to go through it and see what worked and what didn't. Mm -hmm. But they never put it online, never did anything with it. So it was only if you went and requested it. Right. So it's an odd, like, and then Hot Water obviously did the videos, which was the what made them so famous, you know, it's such a good, you know, pushing that brand. But comedy stuff must be so much, uh, so many archive things, you know, that's happened. There. <laughs> so many incidents. Yeah, there's a really famous one of the lad who, always was, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you heard this one. It's like, I think it's the Gong Show. I don't know if Mick Ferry was hosting it or he, tell, he was telling me it anyway. So it's the Gong Show. You've got to survive, obviously, you don't know, like five minutes before getting carded off. Very brutal, mate. Yeah, and the comedy store with these brutals. I did it once in London. And the lad before me lasted 15 seconds because, <laughs> because he struggled with his name on the first go. <laughs> and he went, ah, oh, no, fuck you, Pete. <laughs> and, um, and so his lad turns up in his, and he's a disabled in a wheelchair. So um, they all help him. They had to help him up the stairs. The lift was broken. So they had to help him up these. Have you been in the store in Manchester probably before? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's totally. been shut for years now, hasn't it? Mm -hmm. but, um, so that's where it was just going when I started here. So right, that was yeah. sort of the gong show was my intro to the mm. to the whole idea of gongs. I was just trying to remember how long it's been shut now, but it's, it's weird. But um, yeah, and the uh, and they helped up these. So I tell about the fire escape at the back. They helped him up this really like this um, spiral staircase. Get in his chair, he does his set, and he he's brilliant. He does really well. Mm -hmm. Does the five. And, uh, and he gets through, so everyone's like, wait, he's in the five. And he goes, and he just stands up and goes, my God, I'm cured. And he just starts walking around and they all went, gong off. <laughs> really? <laughs> <Gunged him up. laughs> and that was it. He kicked out his band. Band? Yeah. Uh, because he'd made all the staff carry him up the chair, up the stairs. Yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis in my left foot. You went like full Andy Kaufman with it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's quite... It's awful, but it's the audience just hated him. Well done, mate. <laughs> but, the, but the funny, you know, I've seen acts in wheelchairs at the, the Frogger Bucket years ago. It's, got, it's a lot better now, but the stage is so inaccessible. Yeah. I went in once and there's just a pallet on the floor. <laughs> and I went, why is there a pallet? There's no table at the front. And I went, oh, we've got a guy in a wheelchair on. I went, right, well, why is there a pallet? I went, oh, I was going to put, put him on the pallet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just lift him up awkwardly onto a pallet. No one's going to gong you off after you've been put on a pallet. How good they? They'd be monstrous. Yeah, they'd be that awful. the first place I ever ran an open mic at was uh, this place called Benny's Bagels, and it mm. was like there was a top floor looking down, and then the bottom floor, and we did the stage was on that little incline on on the oh, staircase, yeah, yeah. sort of. But yeah, with the first time we had a wheelchair act roll in, I was sort of like. I'd never even planned for this. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm, I'm also like, is it offensive to ask if he cares if we like lift him? Yeah, Because yeah. my thing was like, why don't we just introduce him and then like four of us just lift him? Yeah. But instead he did the he did the set on the bottom of the awning like, and he's just like face to face with the table. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I don't know if this is like illegal of this venue. Cause yeah, yeah. It's it's baffling that there's no. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that Jeff's like looking into stuff with the frog and that, but. Some of the accessibility to some things. Like, you know, Jack Carroll, uh, he's got cerebral palsy, and I'm, I'm mates with Jack, and mm -hmm. just watching him sometimes have to, you know, get up to do gigs in venues and that. Well, I feel bad, because Canada's really good for it, because it's a more, or at least where I'm from in Vancouver, it's a pretty modern city. Yeah. So everything was built with that in mind. Mm. Whereas in England, I'm like, we're going to shows that are in venues that were built, like, a hundred years ago or whatever. Yeah. And so it's not really, it makes sense that they wouldn't have thought. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't have wheelchairs. <laughs> we did have disabled, but we just give a shit. <laughs> and now we just make like Rubik's staircases for the Traverse. <laughs> and even now at Seven Oaks, there's a new comic and he's, he's like great uh, back and he's coming to every show at Jokes at the Oaks. Oh yeah, he did the frog a bit ago, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, putting it together and stuff. But at Jokes at the Oaks, it's like the bathroom's one floor down and the show's one floor up. And there's just no nothing yeah, to speak yeah. of. I had my 40th there and watching Jack go to the toilet, it was like he's, he's just, I think he decided just to piss himself. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just get him a pint glass? That'll be fine. <laughs> so did you start in Manchester? Or was it like... No, it's, well, I, went, I was doing the Birmingham Glee this weekend. Uh, these clubs, the chair clubs and that. And I was seeing, I saw a friend I've not seen for 15 years, almost exactly. Mm -hmm. And I started in the mid... I, I, I never lived in the Midlands, but I started in the Midlands. Right weirdly because with him because 
I was I didn't know to, I didn't have the internet at home like an idiot. I don't know why. I still don't know why we didn't have the internet. At home. What what year did you start? Fifteen years ago. So okay, two thousand. Yeah, I think maybe two thousand sixteen. Yeah, I think mid two thousand sixteen I started. Two thousand six, you mean? Two thousand six. Sorry for yeah. me. Yeah, two thousand six. <laughs> 2006, 2007, it really doesn't matter, but rather. Right. Um, but there was the internet then. It was yeah, more of a I don't know thing. why I didn't. I don't know why I didn't get. I, think, I, don't, I still don't know why. There's some reason. Yeah. So I used to have to go to the library and that, but I still didn't know how comedy work, worked at mm. all. I just knew I wanted to try it. So I just got like, um, I went to the, I lived in the place in the Midlands, like in Cheshire. It's just a little town that no one really cared about. Like, and, uh, and I worked in an airbags factory until <laughs> my days off. I just went into like the tourist information place and got one of those like What's On magazines. Mm-hmm. So I just go, oh, Jimmy Carr's at this theatre. And I just ring up and go, can I come and try comedy? And they go, no. I go, oh, <laughs> thank you. And then, uh, and then eventually I found a place in the Midlands and they went, I think it was Russell Howard was on. <laughs> I went, I can I come and do stand-up? They're like, no. They're like, oh, but there's a thing where you do a course and then you do a, uh... a set at the end. And I was like, well... I don't live there, so I don't really want to do the course because I work three days on, three days off, so I don't know what days I'm free. Um, but they went, that's the only way you can do it. It's £60 or something for six weeks. And I was like, well, if it gets a gig, and they said they'd give you a lot of contacts and things. I mean, they didn't, and it was dreadful. But <laughs> well, I was put in a room at the age of 25 with basically six midlife crises. It was just grim. It was like, <laughs> there was a woman who was like a, a, a bloody... Um, Rescue dog twitching in the corner. There's a <laughs> bloke who's like 60 living with his mum. It was just horrible. Any audience? No, it was just us sat in this like <laughs> in this council room with this guy who was thought he was like this great genius. And I was like, oh, he's he's a comedian. I was like, I've never heard of him. I tried looking him up, couldn't find anything. Turned out he'd only done two gigs and was booed off his second one. Right. But he booked. He worked for the council and booked the comedy night. So he just wanted this thing to feel about. So weird. So that never ends, then I guess. No, yeah, I don't know if he did. I don't know if he ever did anymore, but I think he still, he may still run that. But <laughs> I only did six in my first year because he didn't give us any contact. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know, and then the second year did about seven. Right. So then I probably only really started out 2008, 2009 where I started getting regular gigs mm-hmm. because I did the comedy balloon in Manchester. And Jason, then I met loads of other people and started learning about the scene. Yeah, so I was, I was going to ask if there was ever like show up go up styles or if you like have to just sort of find a contact and like adjacent i guess comedy balloons the closest thing there was when i got here mm. or i tuesday tony ran one too where it was just you can sign your name on the line but mm. it was sort of grim too and like comedy balloon was the first one that felt warm or like yeah i mean i tried some new stuff out there the other week and i found it very upsetting <laughs> but, uh, it was like four people and they left before i got on it's <laughs> like fucking playing to the rest of the act now it's like but, um, and they're all sat way back. Oh, yeah, it's weird. But, um, yeah, that was it. There wasn't much of a scene. You had that. You had a, ga- a gig called, uh, in, in Withington, Pleasure Bar, which had been knocked down. It's a coffee shop now opposite the Sainsbury's. Oh, okay. And that used to be called Pleasure Bar, and that was awful. Like, I was, <laughs> that was when Withington was really rough. And like, I did a gig there one night, and someone set fire to a table. And, <laughs> and then one gig I was doing, and they used to, have, they used to play in front of this big round window that just led onto the street. And this is when they had like this cinema that was like burnt out opposite, and right. it's not like the coffee shops you've got now and things. And, uh, and I thought I was getting loads of laughs, and then it just turned out that someone um, had pulled his pants down outside and was just eating a bag of chips. Oh, okay. Just behind you? Yeah, right. so that was great. But, well, it's, it's weird, yeah, man, because, like, in England, the big difference I noticed is, like, I'm, I'm really happy I started in Canada because there's, like, you could do 10 shows a week if you wanted to and just bounce yeah. around. And so when you find your open micers, you'd sort of, like, drive around and do three shows in a night or whatever. Yeah. And it just wasn't an option when I moved here. Yeah. But after that, like, that becomes the ceiling in Canada, and until someone notices you, and now two of the clubs are gone where I'm from, so it's like right, yeah. a lot, there's not much industry, whereas England, it's like, oh, there's a clear path to the top once mm. you have a decent 10 minutes, but I don't know how the fuck anyone developed a 10 minutes, because there's nowhere to really... It's tough, really, yeah, I mean, the only way you could do it was to meet people like Rob Riley, who would try you at these gigs, mm-hmm. so and he was always good, and then you could progress. I think I got my first paid twenty from a guy called Anthony J. Brown, who used to do comedy. I just gig for him. Oh yeah, he's yeah. lovely guys. Yeah, he? he's yeah. the best. And uh, so he was the first to pay me. I think like go, do you want to, I like what you do. Do you want to do this? Right. You know, for twenty quid, uh, to twenty minutes. 
so that was it and I wasn't quite ready then either to be honest but I started to find it because like you say there wasn't a lot we had fuel every Sunday which was great which was fuel we used to do a night upstairs run by my mate Andy Watson who doesn't do comedy anymore um, and that was where like just me used to gig there with I mean the people you'll know who's come through the Manchester scene from then was like Joe Lysett who's obviously massive now yeah. Chris Ramsey and that we used to do that every Sunday I used to um, see it Mm-hmm. every week and they'd and come and do bits and that was kind of the scene those guys are probably the ones that have gone through that you would know of like they're really famous loads of other people like, who are great like Carl Hutchinson and stuff um, but yeah that was the only open mic scene really was that but you guys have all created a scene now which is yeah I well, someone came along and did it <laughs> <laughs> I came back and was like oh that's good I can try stuff out and places that's well, I'd sort of take it, like, for me personally, I only run two shows in the city, but I mm. took the principals from Canada yeah. and was like, there are a bunch of people who want to do it here who just don't know how. Yeah. And they're like, constantly asking me and Dan to do the Tuesday show, which I'm like, well, you got to be decent to do that. But now I have this other show where anyone can do it and I can yeah. sort of use that to see people anyway. Yeah. And it's also just a way to be in touch with the scene. I feel like it's just, I don't know. I've always liked that kind of show, but... Sometimes it's also just a pain in the ass. It's like 40, 50 comics. Or we haven't gotten to 50 yet. I think the record's 42. Christ. But it gets like 11.30 at night and everyone's just like, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, Do they not all leave? No, a lot of the acts usually stay. And then this audience will turn over just based on like, (laughs) some will drop themselves out. (laughs) Yeah, it's sort of a fun night. Um, But... Part of getting away from comedy for a bit. This is oh, a yeah, video, video game podcast. I, yeah, I, I did. I'm just thinking that I was like, not talked about video games. At all. <laughs> <laughs> not having the internet. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that's close. Yeah. Uh, were you a video game guy growing up? Yeah, I was. Um, so we used to have an Amiga 500 when I was a kid. Mm. So that was the thing that we used to use, and um, uh, I used to have a lot. Of, I used to have point and click games. Right. And then, like Monkey Island was the big one that you could get, but that was like. You know, like points and click, like the old Lucas Arts adventures where you'd go. Do, do you play Monkey Island or? Uh, I've not played Monkey Island. I'm trying to think of the one. It was like Dungeon, the Dragon Slayer or something. Dragon's like that. Lair. Dragon's Lair, yeah. Uh, yeah, that that. So it was like, um, so you'd have a screen, really nice artwork and, and good voice acting. You mm-hmm. know, uh, for the time, obviously you listen to it now. But they remastered <laughs> them. You can get them on all your. Uh, iPhones or Samsung, whatever phone you're on, whatever. Right. But you can download them, they're really good, so you get Day of the Tentacles, still really funny. Oh, sick. That's great. So that's a point and click. It's only like a few quid. And they've got the old, you can double click on it, it'll go into the old graphics, or they've remastered it. So. Oh, I love I love when games do that. Oh, it's great. Like, Full Throat was another big one, all LucasArts. And then, um, and they've got commentary on the um, Day of the Tentacles. It's really good, because some of the puzzles were just impossible. Because <laughs> like, we didn't have... We can go and YouTube a video to see how to do stuff. Yeah. So if you were stuck and none of your mates had the game, that was it. You just never finished the game. <laughs> it was like, I had a game called Operation Stealth. And I would still, Jerry, if anyone's ever played it or can find it, I couldn't get out the first room. So it's just, that was my Christmas present. I just couldn't get out the first room. It was like, fucking shit Christmas this was. Dude, but games so. back then, I remember my dad played one on this system called the 3DO. And it was one of those oh. ones that didn't take off. He's, yeah, he's found out the game was like broken to the point that this was when the internet was around, right. and literally everyone on the internet was like, "Yeah, level fifteen is unbeatable." Yeah, so, like, the game can't... ends at level fifteen. They they made it impossible to beat. Oh yeah, it's great. Some games are like some games would end like quick. Like, I remember doing, I think it was Full Throttle again. I was really getting into it, and then that's a point and click. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the end, and I was like, "All right, oh." And that was it. So what they did was, because it was so short, they just put this bit that doesn't fit in it. You're trying to hit people on motorbikes, and none of it makes quite any sense. Again, you've got to, I sent it to YouTube. I played it again recently. I was like, oh, so you've got to use that. Got to do it in a certain order and use a certain weapon. So basically, that was just making the game longer. Right, yeah, because yeah. Because it was too short, but they were charging you 30-odd quid a game, you know. And some games were just... That was what they did. They made it so impossibly hard mm-hmm. that it felt like it had a really long game. Where it's only, you can do it in 12 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> but games also will do that nowadays where it's like, if you don't beat this certain boss that you could only find if you go this way, you don't get the real ending. Yeah. And the real ending is like 20 more hours of gameplay. So it's like, I've beaten games where people are talking about shit where I'm like, I don't I don't know what you mean. Like, yeah. My brother was telling me stuff about like Red Dead 2 and going, oh, have you been... Uh, 
Have you been uh, <laughs> sexually assaulted yet? In the, and I go, what? And I was like, that's not a thing. And it is. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, where did you find that? Yeah. But there's so many things, you know, you can find. Because there's a bit on it. I said to a brother, have you seen Nosferatu? And he goes, what? I said, oh, spoilers. I went, no, you will not find Nosferatu. The only way you can find Nosferatu is to Google secrets. Mm. And then you've got to go find these three symbols. And then you've got to stand in a certain area at 1.32 a.m. You know, <laughs> on a Tuesday. And, it's, yeah. and then he'll come up and go, hello. And you go, ah, guys, Nosferatu. But yeah, there's, I love all the little, I love how many secrets there are in games now. That's amazing. But the, um, but yeah, the, the, back then it wasn't really, it was pretty very linear. So mm-hmm. most of the games were, you got to do this to get to this. But like I say, if something was faulty, then you just never got, that was it. Right. So you were like, uh, you were telling me you're a big N64 guy. Yeah. So now we got the, we had the master system mm-hmm. and then we got the N64 and I got the N64. So I just started working. So I was probably about 16, 17. Yeah, I think it was at college. Yeah. So I, I was working every weekend and saving. And then I went and swapped my Game Boy on the market and all my gear, everything I had. So I get the N64 <laughs> gold now. Is that CEX? Uh, no, it was that was just a market store, just a bloke on a market store. <laughs> you know, it was and, uh, such a funny thing about teenage gaming is this you have yeah. to meet shady characters. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like when I got into film, I just remember going to get a Clockwork Orange off a bloke, and he went, he had a video store, and he went, oh, yeah, uh, you actually like films, do you? But <laughs> it, it was still illegal. They got a copy of uh, Clockwork Orange if you want to see it, and I had to go to his van. <laughs> That's like, oh, I, I thought you were going to say they were all lined in his coat or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would be would have been knackered. But, uh, uh, yeah, there was that. So you got the N64. Was that like the golden age for you? Or... Yeah, so that was like... Yeah, so but it, it was probably... It'd been, because the N64 when it was out wasn't didn't do well comparatively you know because everyone had playstation yeah that's true but the n64 was so but it was goldeneye sold it so if you like goldeneye or mario or mm-hmm. zelda that's the only reason people then started buying it but mine was goldeneye i just remember my brother's mate kept bringing it round in his carry case mm-hmm. and it's just like that, and I, you, when you watch something it's really funny when you look, I looked at it and went, things will never get better than this <laughs> like, this is we have peaked i can't imagine things looking better mm-hmm. than this and i just was obsessed with it and i did it and i played it come he's a the multiplayer we used to play all day or for an entire summer I always remember that summer totally just didn't leave the house mm-hmm. <laughs> I just alert remember getting like it would have been 96 because we got FIFA 96 on it and stuff and I just remember it was just the excitement on this thing and um, that was it I got every cheat possible even invisibility which you have to do archives on hardest setting in under 1 minute 15 right and you can only uh, do it if Simeonova is uh, Natalia is in a certain room otherwise you can't do it like, that's how sad I was <laughs> and then my house got robbed and someone hit the cartridge so that was a waste of time really? yeah oh my sense. god my house got robbed once it was like five years ago five six years ago when I was in Vancouver and they stole the Xbox 360 because I think they thought that was valuable right yeah but they left the Super Nintendo with all the games Right, yeah. And Earthbound was in there. It was like, it's a $400 game on its own. Oh, God, the yeah. X- Xbox was like, nothing really, like, at that point. It's funny, I remember someone nicked, wrote into my house once, and they nicked all my CDs mm-hmm. off the shelf. And it was weird, because there was one CD that was in the middle, they left, and it was Radiohead Amnesiac, because it was in a book. Right. Because <laughs> that was the thing. <laughs> so they went, they got all these CDs, and they went, fucking, but I'm through that out, but that. Probably worth the most out of all things. Yeah. <laughs> limited edition uh, copy. Yeah. Well, hey, let's stick with the N64 and let's get into the game we came to talk about. Uh, yes. Phil Ellis, this is the game of your life. Jet Force Gemini, a 1999 third-person shooter developed and published by Rare, the game blends elements of both shooting and action-adventure games and took inspiration from movies like Aliens, Stargate, Star Wars, amongst other similar films. It received generally positive reviews specifically for the graphics and creativity of the game, while also taking some criticism for the controls and level design. So, Phil, I'm curious, how did you hear about this game at first? Uh, this was... I, I was... Uh, the level of nerd back when back to where we used to have magazines about it. computer <laughs> games. Do you remember N- Nintendo Power? Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. It was like uh, oh god, yeah. That was I think that was one 
the official one, so everything got an extra ten percent on the games. You know, <laughs> um, even Carmageddon, I think, got like eighteen. But um, and this, I just saw the development of it, because Rare made Goldeneye. They were mm-hmm. amazing, and they were just and uh, Perfect Dark, everything. Rare, and all the Donkey Kongs, all the Donkey Kongs, and they're just innovative and cool. And so when this came out, I was like, oh, this looks really interesting. And I've seen the, 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 the still graphics of it. And um, and I, the graphics looked amazing, which was like, there was this seat, there's this level in it where, I think it was the first time I'd ever seen it, where there's a character running mm-hmm. and they're mirrored on the floor. So everything you can see is being mirrored, all the aliens and everything. Right. And I hadn't seen that level of, I mean, it didn't help the gameplay, but it was still brilliant to look at. And uh, mm-hmm. like, oh, cool, like translucent waters and things. It was just. Were you a sci-fi guy at all? Yeah, I was. A, I've always been a bit of a sci-fi nerd and right. sci-fi and horror. My so to you, it's like you're already a rare fan. You like yeah. sci-fi, and then you see this. It's like. Yeah, I and guess it's, it's just a, a giveaway. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, and it, and it, you have this machine gun, which is still one of my favorite weapons. Yeah. Is that you just absolutely mow them down, these hordes of ants and things, and their heads fly <laughs> off, and you collect the heads, don't know, still don't know why. <laughs> I think it's for cheats. It's like in, you know, yeah. in 007, you get the cheats. I think oh, yeah. this was just collecting ant heads, and then if you get a certain amount, you get more cheats. Yeah. But yeah, for me, it's weird because I was a big rare guy, like Banjo Kazooie at the time. Yeah, too, that was, was another like one. Another hugely one. into. And my dad was like a casual gamer, right? mm. but he always liked shooters. And for some reason, this caught his eye when, like, he didn't never like Goldeneye, never like Perfect Dark. Yeah. I, I remember him shitting on the graphics of Goldeneye, like really? he couldn't play it. Yeah, Why? I was, I don't know. But he loved Jeff vs. Gemini. To him, that was like the yeah. thing. And so he got more into it than I did. And he never bought games brand new, but he bought it brand new. And mm. then when he was done, I was like, I gotta see what all the fuss is about. Mm. And I, I thought it was pretty great, like right off the bat. Um, yeah, it looked very cool. Did you play it? Have you just recently been playing it? No, I did a whole like rewatch thing on YouTube. Right. Um, like a, there's a guy who does a walkthrough of it. But I was just going to, trying to jog the memory a bit. Yeah, <laughs> and just getting all the little extras and all the extra levels is really good. Like, I used to love the idea of going, is there an extra level I can find if I do all this? And then wait, pop up on the mm-hmm. map and you're like, oh yeah. And only little levels, but they're great. Well, let's go through the story and the characters. I always start the pod by talking about that. Uh, so you are Jet Force Gemini. You are they. That is what they're called. The, yeah. The three main characters that you see running down the the path at oh, the very right. beginning. You've got Juno and Vela, who are twins. I, I didn't know that until Wikipedia told me. You no, know, I was trying to remember the names on the way down. I remembered Layla. Uh, or Vela. Or Vela. Oh, I, well, I didn't remember Vela. <laughs> <laughs> I misremembered Vela. And then do you remember the dog's name? Sort of weird. I, I nearly said Lupus. It is Lupus. <laughs> is it Lupus? It's <laughs> 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 It can't be Lupus. But I don't know why. It's, yeah. It's weird. Uh, maybe sometimes there's awkward uh, transition or translations from Japan. Yeah, but it's a Brit- it's a British company, isn't it? So they were <laughs> the, that wrote it. I, I, uh... Well, there's lots of fucking weird British... Uh, humor and wordplay in this. I don't yeah, know. there is it's some odd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I won't. I'll bring that up in a bit. But, <laughs> but yeah, so at the start of the game, you're fighting off a droid invasion led by Mizar. He's an evil insect, uh, just dead set on enslaving this peaceful race of tribals. And mm-hmm. how would you describe a tribal if someone hadn't seen him? Like if you, if it's possible, but like a crap Ewok. <laughs> yeah. like they're just teddy bears aren't they even like, in the game it calls them like a bear like race like, yeah. they yeah. didn't think of anything unique yeah just bears that mind they're also don't know why you're freeing them they live like shit I don't know why they've why they've been enslaved either because they don't they don't look like the handy. They don't look to be strong. <laughs> They've got kids working down in mine. Yeah, and the, like, the imagery is fucking like uh, a bit World War Two esque when they're mm. walking them out single file, like out of the village and stuff. It's, yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a like at gunpoint. You're sort of like, whoa, this is heavy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a bit, yeah. Uh, and at the start of the game, you're in the last remaining ship in the fleet. So Mizar is like kicking ass already. It's almost yeah, over. Yeah. And your ship gets attacked and literally infiltrated by these ants, or known as droids. They call them droids, but I'm like, there's robots in the game too, so... Yeah, I always... I think they're called like droid ants. I don't know if... I don't know enough about ants. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps. <laughs> an ant-like race. <laughs> basically. <laughs> to, to me, it's soldier ants. Like, yeah, I that's that was it. That's type really, of ant. Yeah. But anyway, right at the beginning of the game, the three characters sort of split off into their own thing. Mm. And uh, Juno's sort of left behind fighting till the end uh, and it's funny have you ever played knights of the old republic the star wars game is oh which one uh 
Which one is that? Is it that was it? it was by uh, Obsidian, and it was a or I think the second one was it was a it was Star Wars RPG. Right, I and, don't think I have actually. It's start, most of this. It's funny because like this game has a lot of crossover with Star Wars, and that game starts with there's already a a battle happening, and the other guys are winning, and your ship gets attacked and then blown up, and it sort of just reminded me of this. Uh, but anyway, this is when you split off. You end up as Juno, the lead guy. And all these three have different powers, by the way. You wouldn't know unless you read the book. Yeah, yeah. Like, Juno can deal with lava and heated situations. Vela can swim underwater. That's it's right, just yeah. a long implant. And then Lupus is just as badass hovering dog. Like, you can... <laughs> yeah. And he can... They can always, when they swim on top, I love how he's, uh, he turns into, like, a little dinghy. <laughs> yeah. Really cool little bits like that. So the first uh, planet you land on is called Goldwood, and it's sort of where the tribals are like their headquarters. You meet the tribal leader Jeff, uh, and he's just like I just <laughs> called Jeff. His name's Jeff, <laughs> and he's like a shaman, but also like the leader. Like Yoda. Yeah, he's got like magic powers, and he sort of tells you like how fucked up everything is, that they need your help, and then you start going just through the level. The levels are sort of broken up into segments. And mm. so when you walk into it, it lets you know you're starting. It tells you how many tribals are in the level. Mm. And you sort of got to get to the end just by blasting all the ants. But it's basically just to shoot them up. Yeah, that's it. And it's and it's and so you've got to collect the tribals to free them. Mm -hmm. And you can see there's lots to find and collect crystals and all the usual, you know. But it's... Yeah, this game is low-key a collect-a-thon, which yeah. Rare loves. They love putting tons of shit for you to find throughout the game. Yeah. And tons of the levels, like, I just said Juno can walk through lava, but mm. tons of the levels will have lava areas when you're, like, the dog. Yeah. So you know you have to come back as Juno and sort of find a secret. That's right, yeah. And things like that. But the annoying thing about the tribals are that, like, They'll just run out into the open sometimes. They're really yeah. easy. They'll just get clipped. Yeah, then... yeah, they do. Yeah, you got to restart the whole friggin'. Yeah, restart the level because uh, the game at some point makes you get all of them too. Yeah. But you can also collect their heads as well, but I don't know what the. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> you can't be quick. I don't know what the benefit is, but there's just something you can do. Um, but yeah, I for... in the first level, you're basically just the getting the tutorial. After that, from Goldwood, you go to the SS Anubis. That's this big ship in the sky, and it's funny because the first level Goldwood's like a jungle, basically, like a tribal area, yeah. and the second level's like uh, a spaceship. Yeah. And it sort of shows you the variation of like the different types of levels in the games. And if you're smart, you can go up right away too and get a different gun. And this happens throughout the games. Like mm. the guns are half of them you can't miss; they'll be right in the room in front of you. Yeah. But then half of them are hidden throughout the level, and it's like you sort of got to explore a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, some of them are shit too, but some of them are good. Yeah, uh, the shotguns, crap. Yeah, the, yeah, the plasma yeah. shotguns like useless. Yeah. But then later you get a homing missile, and it's like yeah, like, game breaking. Yeah, it's almost too easy. <laughs> <laughs> there's, no, there's no in between. Yeah, uh, and then Anubis, you get uh, you meet a buddy, and he shows you a scene of Vela getting captured uh, in the jail. So you basically have to infiltrate the jail and mm. save a bunch of tribals, save Vela, uh, and then you go to. Tofret after this and Tofret it's only I only remember the name because it's one of the anagram planets it's an anagram for wet fart that they put in this game <laughs> I'm <swimming> the game <laughs> <laughs> there's like four or five of these planets in really? this game they, they've just done that with uh, and this one's weird because when you land all the droids are zo or all the androids are zombies and it's sort of like, like oh yeah yeah walking dead like uh, and then eventually you find Jeff on this planet no explanation how he got there yeah. And, and he basically shows you a flashback where he's like, hey, I was trying to do the right thing, I used the wrong magic, and I've killed this whole planet. What am I like? <laughs> Jeff is a bit unhinged. There, there's a bit more to these guys that I think they're letting on at this point in the story. Mm. And at this point, you also find Floyd. You remember him? Is Floyd... Was Floyd the little flying thing? Yeah, the yeah. little droid. Yeah, because that's the only way you can do a co-op, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Is and that's crap. The co-op is just sort of you're just Floyd. Mm -hmm. Just press fire now and then. We have Floyd is in in storyline. He's this android that got, worked for Mizar, and he was literally like watching them execute like a village for no reason. Yeah, yeah. and then he <laughs> developed morality and went to shoot him up, and then got exploded. Yeah, but that's he, right. You have to find all his pieces and put them back together, and then he. Uh, he works for you now. Yeah, he's he also he, he's quite superfluous to the whole game, isn't he? Like he just sort of he goes red if there's danger. 
Mm. But you can see that anyway because the music <laughs> changes and you can see the danger. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you can do a couple of side, like extra, you don't collect coins with him and things. Yeah, they're like, I don't know how you describe them. They're almost like mini races with him. Yeah. Through just areas that only he could reach. That's right, yeah. It's just, and I don't really know what you win at the end of it. Just You, you got to do something just to get through the level. Right. Yeah. So a lot of the time it's just progressing. But he's almost like the unofficial fourth member, and he's with all mm. three of the characters. And yeah, he's like a character instead of just a robot. And then at the end of this level, you get your first boss battle. Uh, and this is a really easy, just big ant with four weak points on his face. Yeah. And Jeff earlier gives you the tri-rockets, which is like the, probably mm. the most broken weapon in the game. Yeah. So you, <laughs> you don't even have to aim. You can just blast this guy. Yeah. It's over. And that's sort of the first three levels. And after that, you become Vela. And it sort of shows you like... Uh, you could do three levels as Juno, three levels as Vela, three levels as the dog. Mm. So going through that really quick, um, there's not m- unless there's any levels that jump out to you as any of them. No, because I just remember you just do that to get to the pyramid at the center, don't you? And then that's yes. when you can then go back across. Yeah, it expands. There is one well, weird guy of note in Vela's first level. There's this guy Fishface, his name is, and. He literally explains to you, like, oh, I just came here to work with Mizar because I figured, like, I could sell him some stuff. So he's, like, a turncoat. Yeah. Is he the guy who's lost his pants? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> he's my favourite. I don't know what planet he's on. Think he... That happened to a guy at uh, Toffret. Uh, I forget his name, Gimlet or whatever. Yeah, because he just, he turned up and he just go, and I thought that was such a funny mission because he goes, oh, God, I those ants have been bullying me. He just throwing my pants. Taken away my pants. Can you go find him? You took him find his pants. And he goes, oh, thanks. All right. I think he puts them on. Yeah. <laughs> or he says, I've been freezing for days. Yeah, that's my excuse. God, someone's stolen my pants. <laughs> really? Again, Phil? Again? <laughs> but it's weird because all the side characters are sort of like that in this game. They almost are like comic relief. Yeah. And this fish face guy is similar. Like he's hitting on Vela right away. And he's like, what is a pretty girl like you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> that type of stuff. And then later he's like, if you go to my brother's place at the next planet, like uh, give him some money and he'll help you out. Uh, and you do that and meet his brother and everything. But again, not, not much happens here. Uh, at her third mission, she infiltrates a base. And that's your first Floyd mission, which we already talked about. But then it ends with her boss battle, sort of the most memorable part. It's that giant, like, slug coming down at the corridor. Right, yeah. In the lava. Yeah, and that's, isn't that when you, then you kill him? And that's what I think is a really good level, like, the thing about Rare that I like, how clever that, that, you know, the rest of the level is inside the the slug, isn't it? Don't you go into the I think it is, yeah. Yeah. You sort of climb through its tongue. Yeah, because Lupus is there at the end, and Vale is pretty wiped out, but she's like, no, you go do it. Or, no, that is a level, but... Oh, is that a different Because there's lava around in that one, so it might be different. Yeah, no, you, that does happen, though. Because Lupus, uh, right at the end here, Vela's all wiped out, and she's like, you got to jump on that enemy ship, and Lupus just flies onto the ship as a stowaway. Oh, and ends up at the prison mm-hmm. thing level, doesn't he? I think that's right. Yeah, exactly. and so Lupus, now you become Lupus. And I find him the most fun to play as. Yeah, he's the he's a go-to one for me. Yeah, yeah, because like the hovering is a big like it's a game changer. Yeah, and you're also just a dog like dressed as a tank. It's a pretty funny character design. Yeah, because they all get upgraded, don't they? About halfway through, mm-hmm. and that's when some of the powers become more like he he becomes like a little tank, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> well, and all three of them, you need to find your weapons for all of them. So yeah. if you find your like say plasma rifle as a uh, Juno, you won't have it as the dog. That's you still so, yeah, got to yeah. find your own separate one as him. Uh, and you do find a... There's another level, Rithessa, uh, which anagram is shit arse. Brilliant. It's classic. <laughs> <laughs> That's the cliffside level where you're just basically going from point A to point B. Yeah, yeah. But then the one you probably remember most is Eshabone. And I think that's uh, Knob Cheese. Is oh, what that <laughs> cheese. Which level is that? Is that? That's the giant bug you walk into. That's the one you walk in, yeah. And Nob it's cheese. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I didn't know Rare was a, a UK company till like a couple years ago. Oh, yeah, I've just been started playing Conker's Bad Fur Day, which is oh, rare. Classic. Yeah, yeah. They love toilet humor. Like, yeah. unabashedly, no shame. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's in most of the games. Uh, but yeah, Eshabone. Uh, it's... A lava planet at first, and then yeah, you go into this big bug, and it's sick. It's like the the whole structure of it are like rib bones and things. Yeah. yeah. And it's also infested with bugs, 
and it leads to I think maybe one of the hardest bosses in the whole game. The two praying mantis. Oh yeah, yeah, it's tough that one. Yeah, remember? yeah. It's like, it's you've come out of his asshole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> literally, there's a scene where you fly out of his asshole. <laughs> you just get shit out by the big bug, and then you have to fight these two mechantids. They're called them, and they're yeah. like mech. And but it's it's weird. It's sort of like in Space Invaders when you get the barrier and you can hide behind mm-hmm. them. But if they shoot it enough, they just blow it up. So you sort of got to kill them in time. And uh, yeah, that's after you do all three of that you're reunited like you said at Mizar's palace and you go into the big pyramid and yeah. you, ac- you actually fight Mizar for the first time here and it That's feels right. like oh maybe is the game over here or is like that it three yeah. levels each which I guess wouldn't have surprised me really uh, and it's a pretty easy boss attack at this point and after you beat him he flies away to an asteroid and he's like fuck this I'm gonna just drive this thing into the earth yeah, yeah. and kill all of us and you're like oh fuck that's like mate a gig if I'm doing badly. Um, <laughs> right, but I scorch the earth. No one's gonna do well tonight. <laughs> this. There won't be a crowd to play to when I'm done. <laughs> and that um that leads to Jeff appearing out of nowhere. Again, he always just has a way of being places to the point where I'm like, this Jeff is suspect. Yeah. And he says we actually have this ancient ship that was used from a past civilization, and it's missing all its parts, but it's the only thing that will get you there. Oh, yeah, it's a really shit-looking thing as well. Yeah, it looks like it's falling apart. And he's like, and if you get all all of the 11 other pieces, uh, and you save every tribal from every level, then Mm. I will give you the last piece, and you can Mm. go. So that's when you find out, like, all the past levels you've been to, you have to go back to if you haven't saved them all. And it's people's biggest gripe with the game. It's like... That yeah, sh- it should have almost been optional. It's a weird one. Isn't it? There's one level, and I've been. This is the thing. I've been playing it again. I've completed it years ago, was it? But the, I can't quite complete it because I can't find this one little crack <laughs> on one of the islands. I just don't know where on one of the planets. I don't know where he is. Mm-hmm. But the, yeah, and it opens up loads of little extra levels, like the water ones. My favorite, the water ruins level. Yeah, because there's a funny character on that. And I just love the music on it as well. But um, yeah. The tribals are dead easy little levels that just all wander over to you, but mm-hmm. unless they get blown up or whatever. Yeah, yeah, unless you know, yeah. And, or if you when you've got fed up with the game, you just start blowing them up on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> That's one. Th- there's one type of ant. He's like a brown ant, and he specifically oh. just shoots tribals when he sees them. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. So if you see one in a room, you gotta fucking like take him down right away, or he'll just go kill. Yeah, that's right. There's them, and, and some of the ants do surrender sometimes. Like, have you see that? They drop the <laughs> yeah. guns and they go like that. And you see, like, ah. just blast them. <laughs> yeah, that is hilarious. It's funny because they they're not just uh, NPCs, or, or I mean, they are, but they do like give them a bit of personality or try yeah. to treat them like they're actual soldiers. Yeah. But yeah, so after you do all that. The game is complete, completely open. You can go back to every level you've played before as any other of the characters. Mm. And it's sort of cool because I love that. Like you were saying, I sort of like the collect-a-thon aspect. It's like mm. you can go to areas you couldn't reach before with lupus or like if you can swim in areas where... And all that jazz. What The one thing of note here is if you go to the Ikor military base, it's Juno. He gets to a secret area that only he can reach. And it's called the, the Big Bug Fun Club. Have you heard? I've, I've been, yeah, that's right. I remember this. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally like a nightclub just for all the soldiers to, you know, blow yeah. off some steam after a hard day's work. That's funny, yeah, because it, right, Red used to take, there's a one in, um, there's this like Blade Runner level in Perfect Dark. Yeah. And there's a nightclub that they obviously made and then didn't use, but you can still get in it because right. it's all built. So you, what you do is you have to go to the stairs and shoot so to make them come out the baddies come out through the door and as they come out you just run in mm-hmm. it's just an empty nightclub with them you can tell they've got like a stripper pole so they obviously rare going we're going to make this a really funny strip club and then it's like oh, i can't be actually <laughs> but you can still get it duke, yeah, nu- duke nukem came out and they're like ah fuck they yeah beat us, <laughs> beat us to the punch but yeah the about uh, the club yeah i remember that i'll have to find out well yeah. and the other thing i just remembered is that like there were these weird pads in the game where you could turn into a bug yeah, that's right. So if before this club, you can turn into a bug, and if you don't like shoot anybody, they just let you in. That's right. But you yeah. also can just open fire and fucking like yeah, yeah, blow up the club if you want to. Yeah. And a weird uh, Easter egg: if you go behind the DJ booth, Fishface from earlier is the DJ at the nightclub. Oh right, yeah, so I remember that as well. He's just in with these guys. That's fucking. And there's also an arcade there. It's a weird part of this game. They've added. There was a full like 3D race or a 3D. Yeah, cart racing game that they added. Yeah. You can do in the pyramid, 
And then on this, on the arcade, there's like a 2D racing game that they just threw in there. Right. I guess just for the hell of it. Oh, that's yeah. And then, anyway, after you get all that, you repair the ship. Uh, and it's funny, once you rescue all the tribals, there is this cutscene of Mizar is uh, watching it from his asteroid, like on a television. Right. And it's sort of like the Grinch, where he's watching all the tribals like right, celebrate because yeah. they're reunited. And he like knocks his TV off and he's just upset about it. <laughs> yeah, they're one of them ones, aren't they? You know, you watch your favorite like, cartoon things, you look and you go, I actually hate the goodies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Boring pricks, aren't they? Again, like the Ewoks at the end. You're like, fuck these guys. Yeah, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then when the ship is built, you take off in this rickety thing. Of course, it crash lands on the asteroid. Uh, and that brings you to the second Mises battle. And I'll never forget this, because my dad got here, and he never was able to beat it. Oh, really? Yeah. He, he probably tried it like a dozen times, and then just gave up. And he's like, I don't think it's beatable. And he never be, and I never understood how he did that. And I'm like, I've started doing that in games now. You just I walk did. away. Yeah, I walk away because what happens is because of like that kind of thing. So I got to the end of Wolfenstein, and I went, yeah, I can, I know I will beat this thing if I carry on, but so why fucking can't get asked? So I went, <laughs> I've got there. I can sit here and do this for three hours and then go right, done it, or I could just go, I will do this eventually. I'm happy leaving that. So I just left it and I started doing it with a few games now. <laughs> I probably would have done it back then though. I was like, maybe there's a cheat. Maybe I can open a new one. <laughs> yeah. To me, it's like if I if I don't beat it, if I if I'm stuck at a spot and I leave it for two weeks, I know I'll never play it again. It's like a book when you get sort of yeah. bored. I'm like, I'm not picking up a book after I've left it for a month. Yeah, it's sort of like I'd I'd have to restart it. I guess. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, but it's it's probably the hardest boss battle in the game. It's a motherfucker. And then when you kill him, he falls, and out of this pod in his back jumps on this little tribal. And Jeff is there, and he's like, Barry? And you're like, you know this guy? And he's like, yeah, that's my jealous brother, Barry. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. There's this big twist ending to the game where <laughs> Barry admits, he's like, yeah, I started this whole revolution or whatever. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it doesn't make any sense at all, really. That's right, yeah. It's just, funny because I've played, got, played it all the way through for ages and keep dipping into it. Mm. Just, yeah. And, and so he, he admits his whole plan. He's like, yeah, I was really jealous because Jeff was sort of the next in line to be the leader and he had nothing as the jealous younger brother. So he created like a dictator and started a war <laughs> like, <laughs> and went to enslave his own yeah. people killed so many people <laughs> uh, yeah and then he's like ah but i'm sorry guys i shouldn't have done that and by, <laughs> the, and by the way this asteroid's gonna blow up any second now and yeah. that's when floyd steps up to the plate and he says i'm the only one who's gonna make it there in time i'll take this bomb and get out of here and so oh, floyd sacrifices himself heroically to save everybody i don't remember that. so floyd's dead yeah. Just dead at the end. Yeah, he ends up becoming a pretty important figure. Oh, right. Well, my apologies for it. Thank you enough. And then at the end of the game, they give you a scene that's basically like uh, every Star Wars scene you've ever seen. Like the Jet Force yeah. Gemini walk down the hall, uh, the tribal yeah. behind him and everything. You get the medals put on you. And you're literally just taken from that, that one scene yeah. of Star Wars everyone remembers. Unless you chew it and then you don't get a medal. <laughs> Until the third terrible one. <laughs> just yell at the camera. Mm. And then they also have a... At the end credits is all of the main characters in the Bug Club dancing as the credits go by. <laughs> it's a very rare... Yeah. It's just something they would animate. So yeah, that's Jet Force Gemini. I mean, the story, I guess, isn't the main part about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do love that Rare goes that extra mile and throws in all these things if you're paying attention. Yeah. Things to figure out and whatnot. Uh, were you, well, by the time you'd beaten the game, like, what was your opinion of it, Ed Beer? I loved it. I, it's just one that <clears throat> I don't, and I still don't. I was trying to think about it on the way here. Like, what is it about it that I loved? I think the, I love the, the music's great in it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's got, it really helps, like, some of the levels. Um, <clears throat> there's one level where it's like, I think it's called something spawn ship and um that's the first lupus one that's the ship he goes on to oh is it that one? Oh, it's maybe not that one then there's one where you go on like a derelict ship and mm. it's like an extra one you unlock i think there's still tribals in it but you have to unlock these other little uh when you go back through the game you unlock different um levels as well mm -hmm. uh, and there's one where you just go around it's reminded me a bit of aliens it's quite dark and the little ants will run past and you go, <laughs> oh, and the music's great and then that water ruins level they love the music on that just 
really nice. La la la. There's no enemies. You're like, there's a bear going. I'm trying to sleep. Can you get me some earplugs? <laughs> I'm gonna go back to another ship, find earplugs. They go back. Oh right. Give him earplugs so he can go to sleep. And it's just like, I love all those little things in it. And it's quite. I can't remember what he says now, but it's something. He's just as arrogant. But he's like, what are you doing here? Well, I'm trying to sleep. You piece of shit. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> my island. Well, yeah, I, I didn't bring that up, but on Anubis, it, you brought it up, is that sort of the the thing with this game. That's the first level you can find a secret path yeah. and go to a secret level that isn't there otherwise unless you find yeah. it. And even when you first go there, like, Juno can't really do anything there, so you have to come back as someone right. else. Yeah, yeah. But it is like, yeah, you're unlocking just different paths to different levels. Uh, I thought... It's sort of funny that like they didn't have any voiceovers at this point. I don't know if that was like a possibility at that. Yeah, I think it's because <clears throat> the cartridges for the N64, you could there was so limited what you could store on it. Right. The memory wise, that was their big fall drawback. So you could store like twice as much on a CD, mm -hmm. which is why I play and it's cheaper. But it was so. But Rare had found a way to, and a few other games found a way to get all this info on a cartridge. Well, and they eventually put out an expansion pack. And it was right, a rare yeah. game. The Donkey Kong 64 came with yeah. a pack that you had to put in. That's but right, yeah. I remember reading somewhere that they decided they didn't want to do that with Jet Force because they didn't want to leave out any players who didn't have the expansion pack or whatever. So I think they left a lot on the cutting room floor that might have otherwise been there. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Because the game does get laggy. There's those moments where, like, yeah. a bunch of tiny robots, like 16 little robots will come at you and fire at once. And the game will, like, literally get choppy and, like, yeah. slow down as you're trying to fire at them. It's funny how you notice that more when you revisit it now. Like when I was playing, I didn't quite notice it the same, but you mm -hmm. do. It's quite sluggish, and it? it's uh, there's quite a lot going on on the screen. Totally. Like that level with the pyramid where you see your reflection looks great, but it that's where you get a lot of. Mm -hmm. Well, and the other thing is like when the when the systems are at the beginning of their lifespan, you don't find as much of that because they haven't reached the limitations. Yeah. Whereas this came out in nineteen ninety nine, right near the end of the N sixty four's lifespan, mm. and it's like. They're they're pushing the system to its absolute limits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like you can see it as it's happening. Yeah, I was playing Turk Two again the other day. Oh, classic! It was great, but again, there's a lot of that. And I remember when it came out because the fog is so close because the graphics were so advanced for the, and the lighting and everything. But you can't really see very far ahead of you. So right. You've got to so you see that that's really noticeable going back to it. And again, the lagging is a bit like when you get the shot go, you go, you go, have I? Hey! <laughs> just seeing the bits of it. Go, go, go! But it's like I quite like it. Where it's quite tense. <laughs> Have I turned the corner? Hey. Do, do you like the graphics looking back at it, or is it sort of like too clunky? It's a bit. I for some. Um, it's quite fuzzy, isn't it? The, mm -hmm. It's not. It's quite low res now. When you look at it. Very blue too. Yeah, quite blue, and it is a bit. Um, at the time, I just loved it. I think I just loved the music. I loved the way it looked and, and, and it felt. In fact, the more I talk about it, the less I like it. She's uh, <laughs> <laughs> a pile of shit, this one. I, I think the music is a home run to this. People talk yeah. about it to this day. Because they also, if you had a surround sound at the time, they yeah. built it for that. So it was like very impressive for the day and age. Yeah, I had surround, we had surround sound. We got from Aldi. So uh, mm. um, I remember playing it on that and it was great because you could just hear things coming from behind you. Like the... Some of the weapons, like you were saying, were quite like the sniper rifles, pointless. It's just <laughs> yeah. wobbles around. It's like it can't no kidding. And they don't. It's not like Goldeneye where you can snipe in and the soldiers going down a path. Mm -hmm. You can time it or like any game now. Like usually there's a routine. But that one is just ants dithering about. And there's yeah. nothing to. No yeah, point. it's like why would you ever when you have a machine gun in the back pocket? Yeah. But I was gonna say too is like a lot of the character models by making them human, you also make them more open to criticism. Right, when it's yeah. like when it's Banjo Kazooie or whatever, it's mm. like well, yeah, that doesn't look like it's a cartoon, so it's sort yeah. of you expect it to look a bit ridiculous. Yeah. Whereas this is like a they almost like went for like a serious sci-fi vibe. Yeah, it does in places. Yeah, I I think some of the actual level like the set set design to say like the levels look amazing. Like I love the yeah. this cargo ship mm. and how big it it is. So like, there's like one of the cargo. I've been trying to find this bit in the cargo ship. I just can't find again. It is so big. Yeah. I think that's Selkath. That's Selkath. That's called. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, and and you and there's a bit I got to. I'm sure it was with Juno, but it's one I'm trying to remember which character I got there. That's mm -hmm. Matt. That just feels massive when you go in it, and it does have that scale, which I I don't think a lot of games had. Yeah. Again, without fog, 
so you could actually see how big these rooms were you're in and you know mm -hmm. i liked that well even in the anubis there's that one huge room that's got the conveyor belt going down the middle yeah and it's just crates up to the top and you sort of make your way to the yeah it's that's like it, yeah. these massive fucking rooms uh and you're right it felt like an ambitious game it's like that's sort of what i miss about this era of games is they obviously mm. took big swings with it yeah and I mean, I love this game. I don't think it goes down as their highly revered classics, but no, I I think it's great. No, it's like it's like you say as well. It's towards the end of the life, and it's just, <clears throat> and it, you can. It, it, it's interesting to see walkthroughs now of games where they like Perfect Dark. Even I say it's a similar thing in a way. That's so trying to get through that. Sometimes it's free. It gets very juddery. Yeah. It doesn't look quite right. Mm. Um, but they were doing so much like realistic lighting, so you could shoot the lights and it would get dark in the room and the voice acting and everything. <laughs> At that point, they're really pushing it, and this game just feels the same thing. You know, you're going to try new things. It's so big. Yeah, you could, you could get flares in this game and like chuck them yeah. into the corner of the room and it would totally change. Yeah, the whole look of it. But then, like, there's shurikens. I remember there's shurikens at the pointless. <laughs> yeah, there's well, a bunch of like half the items are pointless. Yeah. Uh, so one segment we do on the pod, it's called the critique your baby. Uh, even though it's the game of your life, with something you would uh, go back hated at the time, or think is like an obvious misstep of this game. I think the tribals are just pricks. Yeah. I get. I'd either do it that you could. It should be you could still complete it in like Red Dead style, but be an absolute. I agree. Yeah. If you yeah. want to complete it, but you kill him, you just have a different ending. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like maybe that. if you get all, every tribal, you'll get this bonus ending that you can only get that way for the diehards. Yeah, yeah. But then sort of like, if you just want to play the game and be done with it. Yeah. Because the point, the, and this happened with Red Dead to me too, it's almost gets to a point where you have to do so much that you'll burn out, and then it's like, mm. I don't really want to finish this anymore. Yeah. And that's I like worst case scenario to me. That's it. No, you're right. Red Dead was a bit similar to that. There was one bit when I was walking around uh, milking a cow. I was like, <laughs> oh, forget it. I can't be arsed. I went, oh, yeah. I've done the... So I tried replaying it again, being bad. But the way you think about that game is you feel... You do feel a bit dirty doing it. So totally. I sort of stopped. I went, oh, I can't be the bad guy. I want to help this person now. I don't <laughs> but I think with that one, it is just so irritating. Like you said, that's one of the biggest uh, bugbears. Is, uh, funny it works for both, doesn't it? A bugbear. <laughs> But the uh, bug bears, the bears. Yeah. <laughs> Bugs are fine. But the, uh, is that, like you say, when you'll be there and just some teddy bear child runs into the middle, you go, oh no, and the grenade just <laughs> <blows you. laughs> Yeah, that, it's just frustrating and it's like one of those, there's nothing worse than being angry playing a video game. You're like, what am I doing with my time? Like, I'm alone. Yeah. Just yeah. pissed, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. throwing your controller at the ground. It's like, <laughs> it's stupid. Yeah, uh, and other than that, the end, like from a storyline perspective, the ending is sort of ridiculous. Of like, this brother out of jealousy led a rebellion that almost threatened the existence of us. It's sort of like, I don't know. It just felt a bit far fetched. I can imagine that it, that was just a laugh that they had at the end. It wouldn't be funny if even at the end we just totally. Because <laughs> you can imagine the rare the people at rare. I bet there are souls a lot. Because <laughs> you know, like, like, the they were so. Top of the games, everyone loved Goldeneye, so they put them yeah. all. They're all in Goldeneye, aren't they? All the characters are them. Mm. Like Doctor Doe, Doe, whatever is is one of the guys. The, oh, the I forgot about that. Isn't it? So I bet in this they're going. Yeah, screw the kids game. We'll show them. Let's put dip cheese or whatever on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the end, we'll just go. None of it meant anything. There you go. Wasted twelve hours <laughs> of your life. What a load of rubbish. That's fair. I mean, this was. You're right. This was at a point, and we'll go into the legacy factor with that, where I always go over at the end but this is another example of just rare can do no wrong mm. even when they were fucking about with the names and the, yeah. the endings and stuff it's like this is a classic in my opinion mm. and rare was just at this point where any game they put out back then be it conquers donkey kong like it was all if not the best it was like cutting edge and shit you'd never seen before yeah so i think it's like yeah just in there uh it's a hidden gem sort of in there library yeah and like you said at the end of the i can imagine with it being like well, this might be the last game we release on this system so let's just have fun with it yeah well like, blended it blended genres so well yeah between like you have an adventure where you're running around and literally exploring new shit but then it's like a shooter at the same time it's yeah i can't think of many games like that from the 
No, that's right, and it like and it does slow down at times. You have you can breathe. It's not, and then if you want endless action, you go into another room when you've got that. Mm -hmm. But you do have those little levels where you go right. I've killed everyone here. I can have a little <laughs> sit down, have a chat to this bloke, talk about his pants and all that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so I I guess that's an episode. Uh, before we get out of here, is there anything you want to plug? Or? Uh, if you like, if you like. Uh, Jet Force Gemini, you'll love my Radio Force sitcom, Fidelis is Trying, that's available on Penguin Audible, all three series. There you go. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> that's that's all I've got to plug, I think. Do you do an episode with Jet Force Gemini? That'd be pretty sick. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I'll do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as always, I am Jordan Ducharme, at FunnyJordanD on Instagram, at GOILPod on Twitter. Uh, if you like what you heard, tell a friend, give us five stars on Spotify, all that good shit. And thanks for listening. We will see you next week. Thank you.